First, um, as a reminder, we have our candlelight service tonight at 7 o'clock here. We'd love to see you all come back. That's fun for the whole family. That's our annual um, candlelight service. It's uh, lessons and carols. Um, also, we will not uh, have service next Sunday. So that's family time opportunity to give our staff a full week off and any uh, volunteers a break. So um, no service next Sunday. We'll be back January 7th. Well, this morning is a family worship time. Uh, we do these uh, every month. We have family worship, but this time uh, kids are going to be in with us the whole time. Uh, so any of our kids, come on forward. We're going to read a story together. So Heather, come on up. All right, adults, any and all adults in the room, don't check out. All right, so kids, come on forward. If, if your parents are scared to sit by themselves, you can bring them with you. Let your parents come. Yeah, just right down here on the floor. All right, we are going, uh, Miss Heather and I are going to read uh, from the Jesus Storybook Bible. If you guys don't have this, get a copy of this. I, we've had this for years, read this to our kids. I learned a lot. I learned, like, going through this, this book. And so we're going to read um, when the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. This is actually going to be part of the rest of my message. All right. He's here. Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people, just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? What would he be like? What would he do? Mountains would have bowed down. Seas would have roared. Trees would have clapped their hands. But the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in. And when no one was looking, in the darkness, he came. There was a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. Joseph was the great, 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 great-grandson of King David. One morning, this girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared right there in front of her in her bedroom. He was Gabriel, and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. When she saw the tall, shining man standing there, Mary was frightened. You don't need to be scared. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. Mary. Gabriel said, and he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sudden tears. Mary, you're going to have a baby, a little boy. You will call him Jesus. He is God's own son. He's the one. He's the rescuer. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe... With just one word, the one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. Wait, God was sending a baby to rescue the world? But it's too wonderful, Mary said, and felt her heart beating hard. How could it be true? Is anything too wonderful for God? That's right. So... So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see. And she believed, I am God's servant, she said. 
Whatever God says, I will do. Sure enough, it was just as the angel had said. Nine months later, Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now, Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem, the town of King, where King David was from. But when they reached the little town, they found every room was full. Every bed was taken. Go away, the innkeepers told them. There isn't any place for you. Where would they stay? Soon, Mary's baby would come. But they couldn't find anywhere except an old, tumble-down stable. So they stayed where the cows and the donkeys and the horses stayed. And there, in the stable, among the chickens and the donkeys and the cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would change the world was born, his son, his baby son. Mary and Joseph wrapped him up to keep him warm. They made a soft bed of straw and used the animal's feeding trough as his cradle. And they gazed in the wonder at God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph named him Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. Because, of course, he had. And that, guys, is the story of the birth of Jesus. Yeah, you guys want to go sit back down? All right, as the kids are coming back, let's uh, stand up and turn and just greet somebody close to you. Here's what I want you to do. Look them in the eye, smile, and tell them I'm glad you're here. All right. I think the kids are all back, so let's find a seat. Uh, we do have our preschool uh, and infant and toddler rooms open. If any parents would like to take uh, their kids those age, ages back to those rooms, those are open. Well, this morning, today, is the final Sunday of Advent. As a reminder, Advent means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And for us, the notable person and event is the birth of the God-man, Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah of Israel and the Lord of all the earth. It's always the four, last four Sundays right before Christmas. It's a time that, that's meant to be a reflective season, but I'm sure we all experience it's busy, it's rushed, and it's stressful. It's also a reminder that the birth of Jesus is essential for humanity because there is darkness. Light needs to come into the world. The season of Advent beckons us to pause and to reflect on hope, joy, peace, and now this morning, love. I have to admit, this is kind of a challenging topic because it's a small topic. It's light. I mean, really, there's hardly any mention of it in art. Hard to find a painting or uh, stories about love. Very few of us can relate to the foreigner song, I want to know what love is, because we all know. We know it. Good luck 
If you, if you want to read a book about love, good luck finding a book about loving God, loving yourself, loving others. They almost don't exist. No one struggles to find and experience love. There's no need for a love coach to help in relationships because we all get it. If you're uncertain, I am being facetious. My tongue is firmly planted in my cheek. All right, because this is a massive topic, I'm going to focus on one, just one way that God expresses his love for us. And it's seen in Gabriel's announcement to Mary that we just read. And we're going to look at a few verses from Psalm 89. So if you have a Bible, I'm not going to read it yet, but give you a chance to find Psalm 89. Now, before, before we do, uh, I want us to just go back, think about this story, Gabriel's announcement to Mary. Let's enter into that story. Randy talked about last week, you know, kind of hearing it afresh for the first time. But let's put us in that story. Right? We all know the ending. We all know how it turns out. But life is rarely that way. In fact, it's probably never that way. When an event happens, a situation happens that we know how it's going to turn out. This is not a fairy tale. These were real people who just happened to be living in the moment of, of probably one of the greatest events in all of human history. This idea of God becoming a man challenged Israel's theology. They were looking forward to a Messiah. They, had, they didn't have a concept that the Messiah would be God in human flesh. They were expecting him to be born in a palace, not this relatively unspectacular birth and for the most part an unspectacular life. So let's use our sanctified imaginations and put ourselves in Mary's shoes or maybe Joseph's or maybe one of Mary's parents or Joseph's parents. And just sort of think about what, what was happening at this time. Now as a you know, as a father, and especially having a girl, Mary's likely 13, 14, 15 years old at this time. So sitting there as, as her dad saying, Dad, I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. Like, really? What am I thinking, and how is it not that way? Uh, is it Joseph's? No. Oh, Lord. Okay. So, Real quick, Mary and Joseph, they were betrothed. This is much more binding than our engagements today. It, it was a, they were considered married. They just hadn't consummated the marriage. Mary could be considered an adulteress, which could have capital punishment implications. So Mary tells her dad, it's not Joseph's. Oh, this keeps getting better. Or imagine being one of Joseph's parents. Son, you sure? You sure you want to go forward and marry her? Now, Mary and her family, they were just humans, but I do think there's something about her and her family to be able to hold this announcement, to, to hear that she would be carrying the God-man. It's interesting how one translation when Gabriel appears to Mary, he calls her favored one. The Jesus Storybook Bible that we just read, the author translates it as, God is very happy with you. 
I wonder if she, if Mary and her family felt particularly favored and loved in this moment. There are times that we don't feel God's love. Or that we go through things and wondering, am I one of his favored ones? Because if we're in Jesus, yes, we are one of his favored ones. So this morning, as we think about this announcement to Mary and and look at just a few verses from Psalm 89 in a moment, what I want us to take away is that we see God's faithful, steadfast love in how he keeps his promises. We see God's faithful, steadfast love in how he keeps his promises. Advent is the beginning of God fulfilling his promises about the Messiah. God's faithful, steadfast love leads him to make promises that he will keep. I mentioned that Advent is the beginning of God fulfilling his promises about the Messiah. And I want to look at one of those from Psalm uh, 89, verses 1 through 4. Let's all uh, stand again as I, as I read these verses. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth, I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant, David. I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations. Selah. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for being a God who keeps his promises, that you Make your promises because you have faithful, steadfast love. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to experience that love this morning in the ways that we may most need to experience it this morning to um, see your love in the face of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So again, we're going to see God's faithful, steadfast love in how he keeps his promises. So for, I wanna, I'm actually going to start with the promise. And we see the promises in verses 3 and 4. Again, you said, I've made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant David. I will establish your descendants forever and will build your throne for all generations. So God's made this covenant, this agreement with David, King David. And what he swears to him is, hey, one of your descendants will sit on the throne forever. Now, it's not looking so good at the time of Jesus. There is a man who's called the king, Herod, but he's not a descendant of David. He's chosen by the Romans to be a puppet king. In fact, it's not looking so good at the time that this psalm is written. The first 37 verses of this psalm, they're a rock and worship song about how great God is. He, God, you're amazing. You're so faithful. You've, you've done, here's all the things you've done, the promises you've kept. And then it shifts, verse 38, to the end of the psalm. It's a lament, which is essentially, God, where are you? This is not looking so good. 
So I don't know about you, but there have been times in the midst of worship, I've had sort of these competing thoughts. Like I can agree and acknowledge that the words I'm singing are true, but there's aspects I, I don't feel it. There, maybe there's an area in my life where I'm not seeing you in that way right now, God. If that's you, you're on a well-worn path. There have been millions who've gone before us walking in, in this tension, these competing thoughts of how good God is and, and wanting to see him in that way. And there will be many after us. So Israel, at that time, in, in the midst of this psalm, and probably some of us, asking the question, will God continue to keep all his promises? Is this the one that's going to be broken? I mentioned this is the promise, the promise of uh, David and one of his descendants sitting on the throne forever. Well, it's based on an attribute of God that we see in verses 1 and 2. This is the basis of God making this promise. We see, again, I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth, I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever and ever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. That, that Hebrew word one we probably heard before, hesed, it's a, such a common word. About 250 times it appears in the Old Testament. 75% of the time, it's about how God feels toward his people. This is talking about God. So something like 185 times we see this word. It's God feeling this way toward his people. Hesed is only expressed in relationship. We can't have hesed for a thing. We don't feel hesed toward our phones or our cars or our homes. Right? Only toward other people. And in a Agreement, as we look at this psalm, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time, but also David's talk, or the, sorry, the Psalter is talking about God's faithfulness. So God's steadfast love is faithful. And it leads him to make a promise with David that his throne is going to be established forever. And again, that's unfulfilled at the time of the writing of this psalm. It's unfulfilled at the time that Gabriel appears to Mary. And I'm willing to bet this morning that we all have promises that God's given us and we haven't seen them fulfilled yet. And this is where Psalm 89 and this announcement to Mary and Luke 1 interact in what I believe is for us this morning. As a reminder, God's people have been faithfully praying for the Messiah to come for centuries. And now it happens. These promises, these words from God, are a lot like biological life. They take time to gestate. I'm going to be honest, I don't like that. Like, it, when God says something, I want him to turn around and do it. Personally, my own personal experience, the quickest I've ever seen God 
at least partially fulfill some word that, that he's given me was three and a half days. Carrie and I, 2018, we were at an event. I received this word about changing jobs. That next Monday morning, it happened. I, I was moved, moved from one team to another. I was like, oh, wow, God fulfilled the word. Not what I was hoping for, but it happened. Well, later that year is when I found out about the position here to be able to, to come here. And I think that's when God really kind of completed that, fulfilled that, that word about a change in jobs. This morning, this idea of like holding on to, to words that God's given us, I'm speaking to myself. And if this resonates, you can take it too, but I'm mostly selfishly speaking to myself right now. The Lord's kind of been speaking to me to revisit some different words that I've received over the years. And it started kind of a couple of weeks ago. I was meeting with my friend Jimmy. We were talking about Abraham's life, how Abraham had to wait 25 years from the time he promised a son until Isaac was born. I don't know about you, but I get, a, I get impatient when I, when I hear these words, and I just assume God's going to bring these words about. A couple of weeks ago, I was able to take a personal retreat day, and I revisited words that I've been given just since being here. Start write down those things, and one, to see how God has brought them about, and then the challenge of, I need to start praying into these. Not that God needs me to, but I get to step out in faith and say, God, you said you were going to do this. I want to, I want to see you bring it about faithfully asking that every single day. Let's go back to Mary. So Mary, hears these words from Gabriel. You're going to conceive a child. And this child is, is going to be God with us. But she's got to wait nine months until the baby's born. Fortunately, Joseph marries her anyway. And I'm sure there were whispers. Whose father is this, is this child? Eight days after Jesus' birth, there's prophetic words that are spoken over him in Jerusalem. Go read uh, Luke 2. Then she's got to wait 12 years until they go to Jerusalem. They leave Jesus. You Imagine that as a parent. I lost the Son of God. Oh, my goodness. They go back, and he's wowing the religious leaders with his questions and his wisdom. And then he, for another 18 years, relatively unspectacular life, he's a stonemason. We often call him a carpenter, but he's more likely a stonemason. And then he becomes an itinerant rabbi. And about his ministry, as a mom, Mary's a little scared because of how much is happening. She thinks Jesus is maybe starting to lose it. Like, hey, come home, take a nap. I'll make you your favorite meal. It's getting pretty wild out here. Because also the government and the religious leaders, they're taking notice and they're threatened. There's these rumors that we need to put this guy down. We need to take care of him. Well, those rumors and threats, as we know, become an actuality. 
And then a few days later, Jesus rises from the dead. I walk us through all that because Mary was given these words, but it took 31 to 33 years before these words really kind of came to fruition. And I think this morning, some of us are sitting on words that God's given us. As I said, it can be easy to be passive and just say, well, God said it. If he's going to bring it about, he'll do it. But what I argue is that's not waiting. The waiting is in praying through it. Because when we receive words, there's this unknown to us gestation period. Right? At least with physical life, we have a rough idea. Oh, you're pregnant? So about nine months. But when God speaks, we don't know how long it's going to take. And so I think we get to be childlike. And in this way, I mentioned it um, in a recent email, but we get with these promises, these words that we have from God, we get to be like kids and say, God, you said, but God, you said. I don't know about other parents, but my kids have this uncanny ability to forget the things that I ask them to do, but to remember anything I said I was going to do. Right? They'll, like, a month has gone by. Dad, you said you were going to do this. Oh, you remember that, but five minutes ago I asked you to take care of your stuff and you, don't re- you forgot that? So we get to, as God's kids, say, God, you said. You said you were going to do this. Can you do it today? God, do it today. Can you bring this word about, this promise? Can you do it today? He doesn't tire of us coming to him and asking him to bring about his promises because he has this faithful, steadfast love for us. As I said at the beginning, Advent is the beginning of the fulfillment of God's promises about the Messiah. And if he kept those promises, he's going to keep whatever promises he's giving, given us. Because as Paul tells the Corinthians, all of God's promises are yes in Christ. So Advent is the celebration that light has shone in the darkness. It's the time to remember, to reflect on, to celebrate that the God of hope, peace, joy, and love has entered into the darkness as a baby. So Amy, if you would come forward. So as I said, our big takeaway for this morning is that we see God's faithful, steadfast love in how he keeps his promises. Advent is the beginning of God fulfilling his promises about the Messiah. And God's faithful, steadfast love leads him to make promises to us that he will keep. He's not under obligation. He does so out of his own desire, his own love for us. And we, but we rarely know the timing of when he will fulfill those promises. And I think that many, maybe even all of us, are sitting on promises or words that God's given and they've not been fulfilled. 
And so I want to use that to kind of lead into our our ministry time. What we've been for those of you who have been here, um, you know, we've asked you to come forward and to write down prayer requests connected to the various theme. So for this morning, as love, we'll have this um, everything set up in just a moment. But I, I want you to think about what's a promise. As, as I ta- have been talking about maybe promises that God has given us that we've let go for a variety of reasons. So what's a promise this morning that is being stirred back up within you that you want God to fulfill this year? I'm not promising that he will do it this year, but maybe. But this is the time to start praying through that again this year. So in a moment, have you come forward, write that down on a piece of paper and and put it in a jar and we'll have a group of people praying uh, with you over those those promises. And then on the back side, write down the name or initials of somebody who needs to experience love in this way. Somebody that you know, maybe God's given him or her a promise that you want, want to see God fulfill. Like I said, you can just, you can write their name or write down their um, initials. So at this time, you can come forward. Write down the name, you know, that that promise that you want God to bring about this year on one side and on on the back side, uh, the name or initials of somebody, and then drop, drop the prayers in this jar. team members who are here this morning after you have done so, if you wouldn't mind going off to one of the sides. So if you want somebody to pray with you or pray for you um, about either that that promise or any other thing in your life this morning, mental, emotional, physical need, um, they'd be happy to pray with you.
If you've not written down a prayer, please please do so. Don't don't leave without writing down um, a prayer this morning. I believe everybody has at least knowing somebody who could experience God's love this year. Amy will um, continue playing, uh, so feel free to stay, linger for a bit. Um, if you're still thinking about what your prayer request is, this will be up here for, for a moment or that word that you want God uh, to fulfill. I invite you to come drop this in. We do have a faithful team praying over these um, every week. So as a reminder, um, we, we have our candlelight service tonight at 7 o'clock. We'd love to see you all. Um, let's stand and I'll d dismiss us. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you rest. So may you go in the peace and love of the Lord to serve others. Thanks. Have a great week.